my dad. I went, oh, De- Deb's just going to douse. And then he just sort of looked at me and he said, can you please get out of my Land Rover? And I was like, sorry. And he said, it's the work of the devil. You're working for the devil. Get out of my Land Rover. Surprise! Welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 40 from the British Society of Dowsers, with me, Graham Gardner. Yes, we're back. The podcast that you thought was dead and buried returns after an embarrassing hiatus of just over a year. Uh, It's been a really busy 12 months, and there's been many changes for everybody uh, in the society. Uh, Following the retirement of John Moss as our director, and we've had several other staff changes in the office, so keeping things running has required a greater degree of involvement from me and the other trustees as we helped our new Director of Operations, Peter Farrell, get his feet under the table and uh, helped to source speakers and organise this year's 80th anniversary conference. Uh, On a personal level, I've also had a very busy year with the day job, uh, as well as my dozing activities, and with all the travelling around that I do, it's been very difficult to even think about putting a podcast together. Uh, But we've still been recording material for you, and will do my best to get some more regular episodes uploaded over the coming months. Now, before we go any further, here's the news. Well, as we start to enter the winter months here in the UK, we're all working frantically to implement some big changes at the BSD that will hopefully make it easier for you to engage with us. Our new website, which we had been hoping to have online a few months ago, is finally very close to going live. We're just sorting out some final details with the bank security system for the online shop, and hopefully we'll have it up and running in time for some Christmas shopping. Hurrah! The new website will make it easier for members to manage their own details, access extra content on the site, post their own events, and interact with other dowsers. We are planning a new digital-only membership category, which I hope will be attractive to podcast listeners who are not resident in the UK. This will let you uh, contribute more to uh, the BSD, it will give you access to the online archive material, and will get you a digital copy of Dowsing Today delivered right to your inbox. Now, if you were at conference this year, you will know that we had a great selection of speakers and workshops for our 80th anniversary event. It was one of the busiest conferences that I can remember, and it was a really special occasion for us. Uh, Of course, I did manage to record a selection of talks and workshops for the podcast, although not as many as I would have liked to. I'll bring you a selection of those in future episodes. Uh, There are some entertaining videos on our YouTube channel that you might wish to have a look at in the meantime. Hi, I'm Nancy Bradley. Uh, I'm the president of the Ottawa chapter of the Canadian Society of Dowsers. I work a lot with archetypal energy labyrinths. And you are listening to Adventures in Dowsing from the British Society of Dowsers. In this episode, we are featuring a talk by Deb Bell from our 2012 conference. Deb was largely unknown to most of us in the society, although she had been a BSD member for several years. And I came across her when a client of mine who lived in Argyll mentioned that she'd had this really nice water dowser from the north of England visit to douse for a borehole site. And on doing some further investigation, I found that Deb had been trained by Edwin Taylor, who was a very renowned dowser and active BSD member back in the day. And as the society has a relatively small number of professional water dowsers these days, I thought I'll have to give her a call and find out who she is. And I managed to persuade her to come down to conference last year to do a talk and a workshop. Uh, 
She was very nervous. Uh, she hadn't done much speaking in public beforehand, and having to stand in front of the pride of the BSD's water trousers didn't help her nerves much on the day either. Uh, nonetheless, she gave a very good account of herself, and everybody loved her to bits. And it's always interesting to hear the stories of how people got into dowsing, and Deb's tale of her apprenticeship with Edwin Taylor is just fascinating, so I'm sure you're really going to enjoy this talk. Her water dowsing workshop, which followed the talk, uh, taking place in the pouring rain, took a particular brand of professionalism and dedication. So here's Deb. So basically, all I'm going to talk about today, I'm just going to talk about my life, how it started, some pitfalls, what I've been up against, maybe some jobs. Um, So right... It all started, and I have his book, My Mentor, Edwin Taylor. I don't know if anybody knows of Edwin, yeah. And this all started for me. I was back home from university. I was doing fine arts in Sheffield. Um, And my father was a driller, water driller, um, and he always used Edwin to do the, the boreholes and one day my dad arrived with Edwin and uh, he just he shook hands with me and that was it and I thought no more of it and he stayed for lunch and he said oh you know I'll catch you later they went off they came back and then he just sort of went do you know what I think you can douse What's, you know, and at the time I hadn't even, you know, with my father drilling, I hadn't really taken much interest. And, uh, and he said, I think you can douse. And um, my father had a, a spring, an underground spring on his property. And uh, we went off and he had whale bones. He took whale bones out of his inside jacket pocket. And uh, I held one side of the whale bone I held his hand, one of his hands, and he had the other part of the whalebone. And it was amazing. It was like this magnetic pull, and I really felt it. And then he sort of, he, he found a piece of willow, and he must have had a sense of humour, because the willow stood about this big. It was like that, it was this, but it was that big. And I didn't know what my reactions were going to be. But when I hit centre, it just, it just flew up and sort of hit me in the face. And I thought, this is ridiculous. But then the next time I saw Edwin, he had this for me. So this, this is an extension of me now. <laughs> this piece of wood. And I was on a job and this is no real significance. It just snapped in two because it had all dried out. So my father just sort of bound it with this tape, and I've used it ever since, and this is, what, 20 years old? I, would, I mean, I do need to have some backups, actually, because if this goes... not worth thinking about, eh? No, it's not, so I do. Oh, and I have bought twigs, actually, because I don't know if anybody, for, like, water dowsers here, I don't... Do you use... Pendulums, what do you use? Rods? Yeah. Yeah. Rods as well. Okay. You see, I've never used anything else. And I can't, I don't understand. I mean, there's lots of things that I don't understand. And it's been a real eye opener for me coming here. 
I just I, I almost feel like I've been a bit closed off. I've just been so intent on water that I, I really and I I felt so much over the years. And I didn't really know what I was experiencing, to be honest. I just, I didn't have an understanding. I just felt more than I actually understood. So, back to, um, back to this. Um, yeah, the practicing. I mean, Edwin didn't, he didn't really tell me too much, to be honest, um, he told me I could douse, and I used to follow him. He used to, I used to go out on jobs with my dad and Edwin, and I just used to copy Edwin. And I think the most difficult thing for me was really getting a handle on this, was on how to hold this and getting the tension right too, because it's like I was react. I seemed to be reacting. I was watching Edwin, and. I was actually, my twig was sort of going down like this all the time. But you said you need to get, it's like, you've got to get the tension right for water because I was reacting to like a change in strata as well. Coal, you know, I just, I was reacting. Um, So I had to get that right and that took a long time. So um, I would go out on jobs um, with him and eventually I sort of... It was just sort of getting an understanding of what he was doing because without... You've got to interpret what your reactions mean or it's completely worthless. Mm, yeah. Because with... I mean, when you're putting your say-so for someone to drill, which could be, like, ten, fifteen thousand pounds you've got to be right you know it's a lot of money it's a huge responsibility um so because of that i would say i was practicing probably for five years i didn't dare i mean i wasn't charging money i was going out with my father and i was also going out with well with edwin and my father but I guess I was lucky that I was sort of born into that sort of water drilling environment and I had my dad who had complete faith in me, you know, and if something should have gone wrong, he would have rectified it, he wouldn't have charged the client where I know drilling companies if they have a dry hole, then they charge X amount of pounds for that dry as, you know, they need to cover their costs. And I think, I don't know, when my father retired, because, I mean, he did it for, what, 30-odd years, and what you were saying, Patrick, in your talk, it's getting, it's it's being accurate, it's that, you know, there's so many cowboy drillers out there today where there's, you know what I mean, they've got to be straight, haven't they? You know, and geez, the amount of boreholes that I've gone to where they have completely cocked it up. Mm. There's been no water found, and these poor people have paid X amount of thousands of pounds, you know, for dry holes. It's unbelievable. And I don't think even today, maybe you guys can help. I don't think I could recommend a drilling company. I don't. 
you know, I, I wouldn't even know because you get clients who say, you know, you go out and douse and say, oh, can you, you know, can you recommend somebody? I wouldn't know who to recommend now. And I've worked with a few, and in my opinion, they haven't done a good job. So, I don't know, maybe there's a call for some, you know, a decent drilling company. What is it they do wrong? It's like they can't drill straight. Or they go off on, on, a, on a slant and they miss the water. But then also, Edwin warned me about this, um, and I have found it. Oh, God, they're so... They really want to disprove what you do. Mm. You know, they... Honestly. They'll try and blame the the doubt. Oh, it is unbelievable. It really is. And I feel like that's what I've been up against virtually all my life. It's been no offence to you men out there, but it is very male-orientated, you know, the work that I do. And (laughs) you've got the client who employs you to do this work. And then you turn up to a group of blokes, a a group of drillers, and I step out this little blonde thing with a twig, (laughs) you know. And it's like, yeah, right, you know. (laughs) And you start doing your work. And, God, they just, they're so critical so critical and you can just feel it that they're longing for you to fail you can feel the vibes off oh it's horrible and sort of early days for me I used to go I mean you have got to develop a really thick skin in this business especially being female Um, (laughs) I used to go home and I used to cry some of the stuff that people have said to me you know and they're pretty rude you know and over the years you do have to develop that thick skin Um, and I have Um, but sometimes yeah certain characters do get to me I have to say even now so for people who are especially for women who are oh because I don't want to put you off because it's amazing and I love it (laughs) I really do I love what I do Um, but there is that downside there's that real sort of chauvinistic side and you've just got to do, you've just got to keep your mind concentrated because it is very distracting when you know you've got someone who really wants you to fail and the pressure's on, um, which will actually lead me to like one of my, one of my stories um, and it kind of sticks with me. Um, and it wasn't necessarily a drilling for water story. It was um, it was a local mining company. This was what fifteen twenty fifteen years ago. It was quite early on actually when I when I was dowsing. Um, Alan Wardle, um, owner of a big mining company, knew my father, respected my father, and he had great belief in what I did. And um, we had, oh gosh, it was sort of, it was something like 1910. This was local to me. It was called the Roachburn disaster, um, where there was men killed. Um, they'd gone in, the coal, the coal was near the surface. And they'd gone in, um, then I think the moss had fallen in. And one 
One man was missing, two men went in to look for him, but they all drowned. The three didn't come out. Um, and this coal seam, when I went to Dow's, we were coming at it from the other side. It was the same coal seam. So we had, now what was it? Blank, there was Blenkinsop, Byron, Blenkinsop, Byron, and somewhere else. Um, oh, that could have been the Roachburn. Um, but they, they actually went down a shaft to get to the coal. But they knew that they were actually heading for a huge fault. They knew it was there. And they'd already gone through. They'd already hit a fault with water because they were using, a, I think it was a nine-inch pipe to take the water away. The men had gone through that and they were heading for this huge fault and they needed to know where it was because they didn't want to go through it and that's what they employed me to do, uh, was to find this fault. Um, and I was really put to the test. And my father, because my dad actually came out with me, but he didn't tell me because it would have put too much pressure on me. And maybe you can explain it because I don't really understand this, but I went out with, with surveyors, two surveyors, <laughs> who were very sceptical of what I did, and this was a test for me. Um, they'd sent, they had all of their equipment, um, and they'd sort of set me off. They just, we pulled up, and they said, right, if you just walk down this field and tell me what you find. So anyway, I set off. And whatever equipment they were using, they could then go and plot it, like the, the depth, you see, I don't really understand how any of that works. Was it like satellite? I don't know what it was. But they could precisely, from my findings, go back to the office and plot it to the exact depth. Well, I did it, and I'm thinking, I just had this feeling. I thought, it's, I just had this odd sort of intuition, like they, they knew what I was looking for. And I did it. And I thought, right, okay, I'm just going to have to do it. And they went back, and they were really off with me. They weren't being particularly pleasant. Um, but obviously it was hard for them because it was their boss that employed me. So they actually went off with my father back to the office. I went home, and my dad came back, and he said, you're back tomorrow. And I went, oh, am I? And he said, yeah. And he said, God, he says, I'm so pleased that went well. Um, and he said, you were 17 inches out on 1,200 foot. So, and that was exact, that was surveyors. And from that moment on, because obviously I found the fault that they'd gone through, which was the depth that the miners were at. So from that day on, geez, the respect from these guys, it just changed completely. It was unbelievable. Mm. But you've got to prove yourself sometimes. Mm. They wanted to disprove me. That's what they wanted to do. And it was proof. They needed proof that I could do what, you know, I said I could do. And fortunately, in that sort of situation, it came out, you know, positive. So, um, but it's generally the farmers. They like to be there and watching um, and to be honest, I mean, everybody, because I've done, I think I've probably doused for all the local farmers. And I think I've gained that respect. They still think I'm a bit weird. 
but the fact that I've got water for virtually all of them, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, they do have that respect, which is great. Um, plus, obviously, my father's quite a big name in terms of the whole drilling and being an agricultural engineer. So, yeah, I think it was sort of a given. If my father hadn't been there, I wouldn't have had that same respect, I don't think. It would have been a lot harder. Um, so I've got my dad. I've got to thank him for an awful lot, to be honest. I mean, without Edwin, I mean, Edwin, God, without Edwin, I wouldn't even be here. You know, that chance meeting from uni, shaking hands with him, it just opened up a whole new world for me. It really did. And then I had the opportunity over the years, practicing, revisiting sites and almost doing things in reverse, um, you know, where I know Edwin had actually doused and just sort of trying to figure out for myself what was actually going on. And it was quite clever because, you know, he didn't tell me. He was, <laughs> I would get the nod. Do you know what I mean? My, <laughs> my twig would be, yes, that's right, you know. But it's like, how? You know, how does it work? And it's really clever because, I mean, I don't know, you guys do depth thing, right? Depth, depth thing. Well, you, you, it's not easy to do a depth count. It depends on the geology of the ground, especially if you're working with clays. Um, you try and do it two ways, the bishop's rule. I... The bishop's rule doesn't always work if it's in mild clay, heavy clays. Um, Is your depth thing out on clay? Yeah, yeah, depth counts. My depth thing isn't out on clay. Oh, right. Edwin's depth thing was out on clay because my father, whatever band of clay it was, he had to add on that depth again to hit the water. Where that happens. Yeah, it doesn't work for me at all. Uh, (laughs) Because I think my father was quite curious because of, you know, dealing with Edwin. He said, you're totally different. You I mean, the problem not. is, sorry, but um, the problem is sometimes, even if you double the depth of the clay, it can still be out. It depends on the thickness mm. and density of the clays in that given area. Yeah. That's what I found in my... Yeah, but I guess everyone's different, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, that's just going to say different. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. Sometimes it gets slightly confusing for me, though, going on to site, especially when you've got a lot of springs. For me, it's... See, I just think I dose very differently to everyone else. Um, I have to... It, it can take me a while um, if I've got... Because I, I find I'll have five reactions. Um, sorry. Uh, I have five reactions, and I'll always want to drill on what I call centre point, I've got my widths, I've got my depths. So I get centre, I get two widths either side, and then depth thing. Two outer ones. Mm. Yeah, so I'm getting five all together. Um, but sometimes, geez, I'll go on to a... It's odd. Sometimes I'll spin round, and I'm actually standing on centre, which throws me completely for ages. Um, and I've got to have it clear in my head what I'm doing. So I'm sort of like mentally sort of drawing this sort of map about 
where the water's sitting. And if you've got several springs crossing, which is good, because you mm. could maybe drill through if they cross over, where drill through, yeah, so you get more water, yeah. Another, um, which was very enjoyable actually, was my trip out to Spain. Um, this chap, it's quite sad actually, um, had been phoning continuously for months and I really didn't want to go. And I was just saying, oh, you must be able to find a Spanish dowser and so he did and, and he, they drilled and he was really unhappy because it ended up being... Now, would it be sulphur? Because I remember going. Is that rotten egg smell? Yeah, Is that sulphur? Yeah. Oh, God, it was disgusting. But anyway, <laughs> he wasn't happy, and that's what they got was sulphur water. It was horrendous. Um, but I'd agreed anyway to go out. So I got to Malaga Airport, and it just had to be... I'm thinking I had no idea what he looked like, and he said he'd be holding up a board... <laughs> And I swear it was Paul Hogan. It was Crocodile Dundee standing there with his crocodile teeth hat. And and I thought, right, great. Um, So anyway, got into his van, went off. Um, Not even sure we went now. It just seems to be like a really long time with really bad driving. And I was scared to death. So we pull up at this house that he had built and um, met his wife. And it was lovely, actually. His house was built quite high up and you would look down onto the local village and um, he showed me this borehole and oh god it really did, it just absolutely stunk of sulphur and I doused and it wasn't actually where they drilled wasn't that far away from that original borehole and we followed the water right down the bank side into the village and I kept dowsing, and it was the same all the way down. And in the centre of the village was like a monument, um, and it had the spring. When I doused, I went round. I got to the point where the monument was, but then I went round the back of the monument, and it disappeared. So to me, that was end of line, and it was actually coming up where this monument was, and there was a great big gathering pool, and then there was um, like an overflow, like open drains that was taking the water away. And that was his spring. That was that line. And this water was so clear. And that's where the villagers drank. They would come with their buckets and take the water away. Um, so, yeah, they drilled. I went home, stayed the night, got the flight back the next day. And then I think it was two weeks later... Um, I got a phone call um, saying that he'd got a drilling company and they had a plentiful supply of water and he was absolutely overjoyed. Um, And then, um, this is when I decided I needed to do my website because I I know it's ridiculous, but I never used to keep any records. You know, I would do the job, know that clients were satisfied and then (laughs) that was kind of the end. Um, but then I sort of thought, right, maybe I should get somebody that said to me, you really need to get a website up. And, of course, I then had to scrabble around and thinking, oh, God, I could go around, like, all the local farmers and stuff for references, testimonials, that sort of thing. But I thought it would be really cool if I could get some other people on there. So decided to contact Ray. And I spoke to his wife, Jan, and it turned out six months after I'd visited 
um, he was actually killed. He, he used to like doing like jumping out of planes and parachuting and all of that. Well, it had all gone horribly wrong, and he died. And so that was a real blow to me. You know, I just thought, wow. You know, I was there, and he was such an amazing bloke. And actually, he was a cameraman, and he always said to me, "I'd love to film you doing this, doing dowsing, and then actually get a rig and film it all." But obviously, that day never came. Um, so yeah, so that was very upsetting for me hearing that. And I have got a, f- and I keep looking at this photograph of him, and he was just, you know, what I mean, there was something really kind about him. You only look at someone's face and they're just a genuinely kind person. You can see it in their face and that was him. So that was really sad for me. Right. Black water. On lots of occasions I've found black water. Um, But I was called out. It It was actually quite near where I lived in Corbridge this lady had bought a farm um, and she'd housed, she'd had these stables done out, spent an awful lot of money on the stables um, and for whatever reason, her horses just kept getting sick and it didn't matter what, the, the vets couldn't find out what was happening but her horses were sick and somebody I think it might have been her next door neighbour actually because I'd done a borehole not far away and they must have recommended me to come out and see if we could find out what was actually going on. Um, So I went out and I doused and there was quite a few springs on her property but what I found was it was, well for me, what what I call black water is a spring it wasn't very deep either, and it was just standing still. It, there was no movement in it. And I don't know, I was just getting a really weird energy, like a real negative energy. I didn't even like being in the building. And this is what I mean by me experiencing, I know I feel negative things. I'm not quite sure why I'm experiencing negative things. I have no real explanation other than like an intuition that this didn't feel right and I just I just kind of see it in my head as like stagnant water like water that's just standing still it's not moving and I know that because when I'm standing on the flow it's not moving if I pace say if I'm on mid flow I'll get if I walk I will get say I'll go to it'll go down and fall that way and it'll go down and fall that way. Whereas if I've got a really good supply, I'll maybe get a one and four, it'll go wham, down straight away, or I'll be walking with it, and it'll go down and fall. So I know, like, that's the flows for me, I know it. Um, so I said to her, I wouldn't be happy having your horses in here, I would want to move them out, I'd want to build stables elsewhere. But if I'd had more experience, if I'd had if I'd known more you know it's correcting that how do I and I don't know all I know all I knew was it was a bad place for her horses to be and she did say that um when the farmer who she'd bought the property off his cows were always sick in there whenever he housed them like in the winter when they were brought in for the winter they were always sick 
So there was there was something about that line, that water line that was standing still that was just no good. Um, oh God, yes, my painful day, um, the day in rugby. Well, actually, it was a bad day. Um, so remember how it's weird how you sort of remember names like real, like you always remember the negative stuff, don't you? It's like implanted in your brain. It was a garden centre. Um, and there was some sort of boundary dispute going on. And I think <laughs> because I'd been right up to that point, I'd become a little bit complacent. And I just thought, I think I was thinking I was the bee's knees and I was really good at this and I wasn't ever going to be wrong. Um, gosh, that was a lesson. And uh, anyway, I couldn't. He said to me, I don't want you going on this land boundary dispute you know we're really at odds and um I needed to I didn't do a complete survey I left it and I only did half of it but for whatever reason I was happy with it I just thought no it'll be fine I've done half of it it's cool the water's there I had center point I knew where the water was and then I went home and then 48 hours later, I just got this distress call off Colin going, oh, Deb, I've got to your depth and there's no water. And it was like, oh, my goodness. Honestly, I just felt sick. So back down to rugby. Um, and I just said to the guy, I can't remember the guy's name, and I said, I'm sorry, I, just, I need to go on this land and I need to find out what's happened. And I did. Oh, God. And in the end, I think it was two, I think I'd said it was 200 and something like 250 feet, where by the time I'd finished the survey, he needed to go down nearly 400. And his rig didn't go to that depth. So we were sort of left with this dilemma. And I said, to, and I was just so apologetic, but geez, you know, that had to happen to me. Um, because, you know, it is a learning curve, but it's just this complacency and, you know, it was, it was a real lesson. And from that day forward, I'll never leave anywhere unless I'm 100% about, you know, confident about what I've done. And even now, there'll be one day where I'm not right. And every time... Cheese. It's, I swear, it's horrible. And I feel sick. I can't concentrate. I can't sleep until I know they've got that water. It is just the worst. It's honestly, but then it's like total elation when you find out that they have. Um, so, what he did, he said, Duck Deb, I'm going to hopefully, maybe with pressure, we'll get there before maybe the water will rise up before, you know, we might not need to get to 400 feet. Um, so he did, and he just carried on. And I, I mean, I had to leave. Um, and he did call me, and he says, look, I've gone as far as the rig can go. And I, I, don't, I don't, I mean, I think it was just, I mean, it wasn't 400 feet. I think it was just over three. And then, God, somebody must have been looking down. Um, the next day he'd gone back, and it was full of water. It had come up. Um, but that was just like the worst time of my life. And I just thought, I need to pack this in. You know, I really, I thought, no, God, I can't do this. I've got to pack it in. But I think, 
I don't know, it's almost like I need to worry about it. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like I can't go in there now, ever, feeling. And, and I know this sounds really strange, it sounds almost contradictory, because I do know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I feel like I need to worry about it. I ha- it was really quite funny, and it's quite gross, and I'm sorry for saying this, but it's quite amusing. Um, I did a, a borehole quite recently, and it was the second borehole I'd done for this particular family. And um, <laughs> I knew I had to go into hospital. And I'm sorry for saying this, but I had to have a <laughs> colonoscopy. <laughs> so everybody knows what a colonoscopy is, right? Well, it was an endoscopy and a colonoscopy. Um, <laughs> and I'd gone out and doused on the Friday, and, and she said the drillers are going to be in on the Monday or Tuesday well my op was on the Tuesday and Izzy I said to Izzy just will you call me you know I said I'm just gonna be absolutely beside myself when you hear any news you must call me yeah 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 that's fine so anyway the drillers came on the Monday and they wouldn't start drilling for whatever reason they were gonna start on the Tuesday and um (laughs) I'd driven past to go... Oh, I was actually being taken to hospital. And I could see... I drove past their house. It was sort of in the distance. And I could see the mast of the drilling rig. And I thought, oh, God. So I'd (laughs) gone to hospital (laughs) in my sort of sedated state. (laughs) And the the consultant sort of said to me... um, He went... Are you okay? Are you in pain? And I was like, oh my God, I wonder if they've got water. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, if you'd like to watch the telly. And I'm like, what? And then I didn't realise my colon was on the telly. thought it was going I mean, people have said to me during colonoscopies oh you get to watch the telly I thought I was watching like the omnibus of Corrie or something but no it's yuck <laughs> yeah but that's that's what it gets like for me you know what I mean it's it doesn't matter what I'm doing or where I am if I know they're drilling I can't switch off and it was awful so it was the next day I'd sort of got back from hospital on that day and texted Izzy, you know, and you know anything. She went, no, they've only been doing it for a blinking eight hours or whatever. So, but it was the next day I got this call saying, yes, they, you know, they've got water. So that was great. And then I said, can you just inquire to the drillers because they did get it at my depth. I said, can you just inquire to the drillers? Um, you know, do they do they actually believe in dowsing? And apparently, no they would have hit water regardless. So, But you get a lot of that, yeah. you know. And I remember Edwin saying to me, um, because in his book there's a section on failures, um, but they weren't actually failures, in my opinion, because it was, um, I think he'd been called out. A drilling company had gone down. It was a dry hole. And he'd said where they drilled, they shouldn't have drilled. Um, There was no water there as far as he was concerned. And he'd pinpointed somewhere else for them to drill. Well, then the client had phoned Edwin and said, sorry, you know, dry hole. 
and Edwin was really perplexed because he wasn't very often wrong. And he'd gone out and he, I think he tied, he'd got a piece of string with sort of like a heavy bit of metal on the bottom and he'd actually taken it down the hole to the bottom, brought it back up, measured how far they'd gone down and they actually hadn't gone down to his depth at all. But that's what you're up against sometimes. They're just out there to try and disprove you know, what you're doing as dowsers. So um, that, that rugby situation for me so far has been the only thing that I've been up against in terms of me not being right. I mean, when I say, you know, you guys probably are saying a depth, but what I've discovered through my dad drilling... Um, is the depth that I'll say is you shouldn't ever go deeper than that depth if you go deeper there's something wrong but that's not to say that they may hit the water with pressure if it rises up you may get water before then it's just my depth is a guide that you should hit if it's not rising up through pressure you would hit it at that depth but if you go below that then there's something not right, but that hasn't happened yet. I've just been fascinated to, you know, all of the different methods that people have for finding water, like coming here and sort of maybe asking how deep it is, or I don't do any asking, it's mathematical to me. And that's what I've discovered over the years, and that's what's worked. That's why it took such a long time, Peter, you know, because Edwin just told me... I mean, I was a. I mean, I, I was sort of able to figure it out, but he never categorically said, "This is what this is." Because he would, I would ask, "How do you find the depth?" And he would just say, mm, "Well, I just know. You'll know. That's that's what he used to say to me. You'll know." So then, over the years, and with the help of my dad, that's what I worked it out to be. But you know, I mean, not everybody can do that. I was so fortunate to have somebody like my father. God, I owe him so much, you know, because he was an amazing driller. And, you know, we would work out the depth, you know, my prediction on the surface to where he hit the water. It's unbelievable. So how Edwin actually came, you know, or whether it's me, I don't know whether it was Edwin or whether it was me that discovered that. Um, but it was definitely, it, to me, that is quite scientific. It's mathematical, isn't it? So I guess whatever method, it's yeah. working for all of us, isn't it? But I kind of just feel like maybe I've just been stuck in a groove and I need to be open to more... To, to more like different ways of doing things but I think you definitely for people who are all beginners I don't know if there's any beginners or if anybody's you know your intentions but god you've got definitely got to have a sense of humor <laughs> that's really important sense of humor um I don't know you know what I was saying before and I know it sounds really strange but I think you've got to have a certain amount of humility as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, 
and I've all in like in my life when it's maybe that's why I doubt I don't know but even from a kid whenever anything went wrong for me I'd always make for the hills I'd always take my dog onto the fells and I would spend hours there and it sort of that stayed in me and I just feel like we're actually quite insignificant to be honest you know when you're sitting there on fells and you're just you know you're just this tiny little person and I just got get this sort of overwhelming sense of sometimes we think we're more important than we actually are you know grand scheme of things um, so yeah definitely humility um, anyway yeah you have to I mean you do have to reach a point of um, I guess I'd done it for a lot of you I mean I, I mean I was doing it but I wasn't getting paid to do it um, I suppose I could have been paid to do it but I just didn't feel that I had the experience but it was it was my father who was actually doing the drilling and actually taking the responsibility for my say-so, but take him out of the equation. And that's when I actually, I actually started doing paid work. It wasn't actually with my father. It was actually when I was, when other drilling companies or I was going out on my own to do it. And the day just came and I thought, I can't keep doing this forever. I can't be constantly shadowed by my father. And you know, I suppose I'd done enough holds without being paid and I'd been right. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, you know, I just had to do it. I felt like this has been what's meant to be, mm-hmm. you know, just me growing up, very sort of simple way of life, but being instilled in me from a very early age, respect respect of people, respect of the land and I I can always draw comfort no matter what's happened to me in my life which has been some pretty big stuff to be honest I've always managed to get comfort from the land you know, I just, I have I've been really lucky, I feel really blessed that I can do that you know, I can yeah, I think it. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Any questions before our time is up? <laughs> and we go out and get really wet in about three quarters of an hour, if you want to. Can you actually dance for anything else? No. I mean, I've. Would you like? To? Yeah. Do it. Yes. Yeah. I would. I'd love to. And that's come from today. I mean, from being here. This weekend, I always think I'm a real believer in faith that things happen for a reason. The fact that I've been a member here for, what, God, it just seems like forever. I've been a member of the BSD for what, would it be, would I dare say something like 15, 20 years? I mean, because Edwin put me forward, um, and that was a long time ago. But I just haven't participated in anything. I've just been... Like, well, I really like when you said to me, why haven't I heard of you? <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been hiding? Yeah, but I've just been very quietly living my life because I'm not 
an in-your-face kind of girl, and I never have been, which seems weird sitting here while, you know, you know, people are interested in my life and what I've got to say. just seemed like a bit of a biggie to me. Um, but I have, you know, I'm not... I'll run from people. You know, I don't really relish being in big groups of people. And I think that maybe comes from being an only child living in the middle of nowhere. You become very self-contained as a person. I don't really need people. Um, you know, um, and I actively don't really want to be around. I just, I don't know. I just don't like being around large... It's been hard work for me <laughs> this weekend, to be honest. You know, I go to bed at night and it's like my head hits the pillow and I'm gone and I'm not normally like that. There's been so much information for me this weekend. You know, not physically, it's all been mental. And, wow, you know, I'm going to go home and I've, I've just got so much stuff to sort out in my head. Read books, you know, but I'm just, I'm open to everything. Do you ground yourself after you finish doing the, the dowsing on side? Um, do I ground myself? Mm. I generally sleep. No, do you judge? Yeah. But besides that, when you completed the work, do you ground yeah. yourself? Cut you off from the energies? No. You should do, at times. I think maybe that's you. the sleeping bit. Pardon? I think that's maybe the sleeping bit. I feel exhausted after I've died. <laughs> <laughs> you studied the geology first? No, I know, I know nothing. And you know it's going to be nothing but li- lias clay. You know you're not going to get any water out of it unless you... I have some there. But isn't that, Peter, it's never affected me, that's what I'm saying. Mm. You know, and I know this because of, we know what comes up from drilling. Mm. Um, clay doesn't affect me. Yeah, but you've got to get down below the clay. Yeah, you have got to get down below the clay. But it doesn't affect me in the way that, if, that it yeah, affected Edwin. Nice. Yeah, but normally they've had geologists there who are, you know, I turn up a lot of the oh, time okay. with geologists. I see you get some- yeah. God yeah. I don't want to know any information, to be honest with you, because it's almost, it clouds my judgment. You know, because people always want to say, ooh, you know, there was a well here, and they always want to give you a load of information. I don't want to know anything. Just let me do what I need to do. You know, because it's like wishful thinking. You know what I mean? There's a trick of the mind as well. Concentration as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, doing it. yeah, that's right. So it's blank canvas. Don't tell me anything. Just let me get on with what I'm doing. And that's how I've always that's had to do it. it. Yeah, totally. Sorry, yeah, I've been chucked out of a Land Rover before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a preacher. Um, <laughs> oh God, my father gets me into some scrapes. Um, um, this guy, farmer, preacher would only ever let my father onto his land to sort out water problems. And my dad, in his wisdom, decided, oh, you can come along and you can do some dowsing, not realising that it was a no-no what I did. It was, it was, it was the work of the devil. And we got four miles up this track and my dad happened to go, because I think he was looking... I could see Thomas looking at my twig and thinking, what's going on? But there was, you know, nothing was mentioned until my dad went, oh, Deb's just gone to douse. 
And then he just sort of looked at me and he said, can you please get out of my Land Rover? And I was like, sorry. And he said, it's the work of the devil. You're working for the devil. Get out of my Land Rover. And my dad didn't do anything. (laughs) So I had a long four miles walk back (laughs) to the Land Rover. But But I understand because there was like properties without water that my dad needed to get the water for. So he couldn't really go, A, you know, so he needed to do that. Um, But, yeah, so that was that one. (laughs) You're up against all sorts of characters in this business, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah, White Witch. You know, you hear it all, don't you, to be honest with you. But I just think being female, it it can be quite hard work. I've had an... There's been an awful lot of sexist comments. I've had blokes... And I'm sorry, but, you know, he did get a clunk on the head with my umbrella. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, when it gets to a point where it's all touchy-feely in a car, which is like crossing the line and totally inappropriate, you know, yeah, you need something, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it is groping. That's exactly what it was. And I'm sorry, I'm not standing for that. OK, I think we better take our leave there. So uh, many thanks to Deb for that fascinating insight into her life. Uh, That's it for this episode. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Hanley Swan, England. For more details about the BSD and to find out how we can help you get more out of your dowsing, please see our website at britishdowsers.org. If you have any comments about the show that you would like to share with us, send me an email at podcast at britishdowsers.org. You can also check out our dowsing forum and find us on Facebook, YouTube and now Twitter. Yes, we've become tweets, although don't get too excited. I think there's only two comments up there at the moment. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, Many thanks to Hilary Brooks, Ian Pegler and Not For Pussies for the music. And be sure to join me next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.